Welcome to the show. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, and you're listening to On The Clock. On The Clock is a venture with the Strategos Podcast Network, where we feature an array of guests to dive into all things education. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to On The Clock. My name is Todd Dallas-Lamb, and our guest today is the Pittsburgh Public Schools Superintendent, Dr. Anthony Hamlet. How are you today, Dr. Hamlet? We are honored to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm finally got, finally. I'm glad I got the chance to get on the show. I know you've been trying to get me on here for, for a minute, so glad yeah, well, I take time for it. We worked pretty hard. We aggressive aggressive to get the best uh, superintendents <laughs> in the country on our show. Well, uh, we've you. had... Uh, I don't know, about nine folks last year, and then you are one of our first in the new year. Thank you for, for joining us. We'd love to dive into uh, your background, but also want to talk about what's going on in Pittsburgh with regards to kids coming back. Um, and, I, and my understanding is they're coming back on the 6th uh, of April full-time, even though you've had yeah. a few stops and starts. Yeah, absolutely. So so from the very beginning of this school year, we have been prepared and ready um, for, with our buildings for in-person learning for our students. However, without um, citing an abundance of caution, our board um, voted to stay remote based on the uh, county and the state being of substantial. So right now we're um, back in a moderate phase and uh, we're looking forward to students coming back. So we're physically distanced. And uh, you know some of the things that have come up as a result of us coming back, we've gotten questions in, in light of the last information that has um, the CDC changed that have come out about three foot. We are holding solid at six foot distancing. All of our schools, all of our um, office buildings are set up for six foot. We're gonna st stay with that out of an abundance of caution. We're gonna stay in that six foot range for right now. What were you doing uh for the last year, how did you uh, educate your students in Pittsburgh? Well, what I tell you, when when the, this pandemic first closed our buildings down, um, and, and and just just like many districts around the nation, we weren't ready. We we were not a one to one district, right? We had an aspiration, aspirational goals as a district, and to become one to one within the next two or three years. Obviously, COVID has put that in the hyperdrive, right? And so we were able to thank goodness we were able to secure enough computers. Um, for our students to begin the school year. So we started the school year, did a um, large engagement survey with our families to find out what families needed, our students needed computers and what students needed internet access. And so we, we began to support the students and families who needed the internet access based on need. Then in January, we began the transition into being one-to-one. -one. Being one-to-one -one, uh, district is that every Pittsburgh public school student has a Pittsburgh public school um, computer or, or device. What what were the percentage of families in Pittsburgh that needed a device that you had? You know, did you have any rough numbers on oh, what oh, that would look like? Wow, I, I would say of our, of our twenty three thousand families, at least two thirds needed internet access and needed computers. Wow. Yeah. So you have twenty three thousand students in your in your district yes and you know roughly about 15 or fourteen thousand needed both a device and internet access yes there there are about i think a five about five thousand total households or families that needed the internet access 
So that, that, that raises a lot of questions, right? Like, so Absolutely. not only do you need those two things, you probably need some help in, look, my 15 year old son helps me set up my computer and my music all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you help get these families locked and loaded with technology yeah. and it help? Yeah, well, well, thank goodness we, we had a great um, we have a great IT department that was ready and uh, to, to mobilize and really pivot when needed to to meet the needs of our families. And so we set up uh, sessions. We did a plethora of videos. Um, we trained our um, call call um, um, office individuals as well around the, some of the basics that could be problems to troubleshoot. We did uh, um, frequent FAQs around these frequently asked questions around um, having um, media, having technology issues and how to remedy them. So we really tried to put as much information out there as we could to support that, but also be available to families who need to call in. And also our IT department created drop-in centers where families could drop in if they were just having that difficult time with technology. Right. They can they can sit in front of a, um, a tech person and really work through that process to make sure that technology was working. So one of the things that's curious to me, and I, I've been having this conversation with folks around the country is, uh, do you have a sense of your 23,000 students and, and, and you have a dead certain date of kids coming back on April 6th, how many of them are coming back and how many of them are not coming back and relying on the technology for whatever reason that might be? So I, so I think basically you're asking me like what students are coming back in person and which ones are choosing to stay online. Yes. Yep. Um, right now, so this is our the process we went through. Our board, based on the resolution that they passed, um, wanted us to come back in a need-based phase in phases. So basically, we came up with this criteria. The criteria included, but not limited to, um, first and second quarter grades for our students, uh, attendance um, as well, attendance uh, data, also social emotional learning survey data. Also, there was an additional weight added for our ELL students, English language learner students, students who had IEPs, students who had 504s, and also our McKinney-Vento students as well. They had an extra weight added for, for them in that formula. And so based on, based on that formula, we came up with four tiers. The highest tier being tier four, that was the highest need. That group is coming back first. Roughly, there's about 5,000 students in that in tier four. And then two weeks later, Tier two, tier three will come, and there's about 4,500 students in tier three, and then tiers one and two will return on May the third. Now, when it comes to, I don't have the exact numbers when it comes to those um, students who will be uh, who will stay online, but I can tell you that they're, they're they're by and large, I would say, if I had venture to say, about one third of those students will stay online. One of the things that has been really um interesting to hear when I talk to superintendents is the number of homeless students. You mentioned McKinney Vento, that's education speak for homeless students, correct? Correct. And how many do you have of your 23,000 students? How many do you have in in Pittsburgh? We have roughly about 1500 on displaced families right now. Yep. Incredible. Um, And I can only imagine uh, the the intense uh, difficulty that you have with all the things we just talked about, right? Like how do you get computers? Right. How do you get uh, data access to families that are displaced, moving around from place to place, uh, from day to day, week to week? Well, well, early on, you know, um, years ago, and I'm saying years ago, I've been in Pittsburgh now for five years, amazing. Right. Um, time flies when you're having fun, but uh, we created a, um, 
a McKinney Vento office as an extension of our um, student support services division to really focus on who are those kids, what supports do they need, and how can we get those resources to them? So we were already prepared to, to really work with and support our homeless students. And um, but also make sure we have those connections and working with those homes that they're in. They, they may be in foster care at someone's house or with a family or they may be in a residential program and haven't got placement. So we have connections with all those organizations, all those families, making sure that our our homeless students have what they need to really succeed. So now let's pivot forward to you. We are starting back in Pittsburgh now. We've got kids coming back in. What are the, some of the challenges that you're dealing with with reentry? You know, you know, so some of the things you think about is is kind of somewhat a back end infrastructure things. Number one, now that kids just just as an idea, you know, probably in, you know, layman's layman's wouldn't think about this. People who are not in the industry wouldn't think about this. But just kids bringing computers. Now you have all those students and the teachers that have computers. What about um, power outages? What about in, uh, um, power access? Right. To charge yeah. to charge the devices. Thinking about that. Also, another another issue for us is transportation. You know, we've been out for over a year now and we don't actually um, have transportation in the district. We uh, contract out with outside providers to provide transportation. And so some of those smaller mom and pop transportation companies have gone out of business and that impacts transportation and our students coming back as well. But but we have enough transportation right now. We've ramped up. We support it some of them as they stayed open and um, we're ready and uh, ready to go really and so that's that's the most important thing but also important thing is is emphasizing as well social distancing you know it's going, it's going to be difficult students haven't been in person for I don't know how long teachers haven't been in person for I don't know how long and really really promoting and are you know um, I'm doubling down on social distancing don't do do not congregate and eat lunch together just just those things that are really keep us safe and, and you know a lesson exposures in the building so those are some of the things that that keep me up at night i would think that that has to keep you up at night how do you keep a 15 year old kid and, and look them in the eye and say okay do not congregate um 15 year olds in america are all are playing sports Right. Mm -hmm. And yep. they're they're probably in soccer leagues and football. Mm -hmm. Is football mm -hmm. active right now in yeah. Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah. We kept our sports going. So we had all of our sports seasons thus far. So how do you say that? Like, honestly, you you played football. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But how do you tell a football player in your high school? Hey, you're banging into this running back five times a day in practice. But when you yeah. get to lunch, yeah. do not get close to your your schoolmates. What? How does that work? You know, yeah, our principals and our faculty and staff in our buildings have to double down and really um, talk to the students about the impact of, you know, where we are, what we're trying to accomplish, but also what's going to keep them safe. Right now, I can tell you, all of our buildings are socially distanced. That's yep. down to the classrooms. That's down to the offices. That's also in the cafeterias as well. So normally, so actually, some of our schools have taken out those long tables that you normally would see in the cafeteria and replaced right. them with actual desks. Yep. Right, really separate out desks so kids can really be spaced out and sit individually. So, um, so a lot of that's in place, and um, our principals and uh, admin staff have been creative in that, and uh, really support leaning on them to really articulate the importance of um, us following the protocols to their students and also faculty and staff as well. That's fantastic. Well, I mean. April 6th is coming. you got Easter coming. Um, mm -hmm. Folks are all going to gather and then kids start coming back to school. I mean, you, you have to be excited about 
renewing some normalcy back in Pittsburgh. Oh, oh my gosh, we're ultra excited right now. Yeah. You know, I told people like clear, clear, clear my um all my meetings for next week. I, <laughs> I, I want to go visit schools. I want to see kids. I want to see teachers. Um, and so I want to try to get to as many schools as I can. But another thing is 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 also we're excited about number one, our kids are returning to um, um in person learning, but also we were we were able to vaccinate the uh, I would say by and large of our forty five hundred um, personnel about ooh 3800 have been vaccinated that 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 we know of that yep. we know of right so uh, what happened is that thank goodness for um president biden's push on prioritizing educators that pushed that down down to our governors governor wolf from pennsylvania quickly pushed it out and prioritized about 1400 uh, teachers that met the criteria so in one location we have 1400 teachers receiving the johnson and johnson vaccination also Thanks to our uh, Mayor Perduto in his office for referring Giant Eagle. Giant Eagle on a Friday, Giant Eagle calls um, our, our mayor's office, explained that they want to support and uh, begin to work with school districts. The mayor's office referred them to us, and we quickly created this partnership with uh, Giant Eagle. And within the next, by the, from, from that Friday to the next Thursday, we had a mass vaccination set up at Heinz Field. And so on the first day of that, we had 1,500 um faculty staff but also one of the things you want to do is support the community as well and so anyone who wanted to be vaccinated of our staff they had an opportunity but also we extended this to our out-of-school time partners who work with our children our learning hub as well but also our contractors who come into our buildings so we wanted everyone who worked with pittsburgh public school students or in our buildings and our offices to have a chance to be vaccinated um, if they could so we're excited about that I, I oftentimes think that some of these um, moments in life are uh, educational and actually can lead to improvement. And we've we've had lots of conversations on our podcast about with 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 folks like yourself, chief academic officers, how you know, the the day will come when we will look back and say that there's been some improvement based on what has you know, largely been kind of a disaster with regards to uh, the the pandemic, but parents learning how to connect their kids to the internet, learning from their computers, that has to lead to some improvement. I also think, as you've mentioned, and, and you know, I think wisely you've mentioned um, the leadership from President Biden, uh, your mayor and your, your governor. Don't you think that this has been a bit of a civics lesson for people in America to learn how the system works, how money comes from the federal government, but it flows down to the states, the, the, the money flows to the, to the, to the cities. Uh, yeah. Learning how government works is, is, is always good, right? I, you know, listen, civic engagement, understanding yep. about our democracy, how our economy works, how our democracy works is ultra important because, again, the uh, reason why we're the greatest democracy in the world is that we, we um, are tasked to educate all of our students, irregardless if you are just coming as an immigrant or if you were born into this nation. We are tasked as public educators to educate all students to the best of our ability and with equity embedded in that as well. And so that's what makes it so great. And to your point, it is a civics lesson. You know, we can look at several things that happened in this past year that could be civics lessons, social justice lessons. When you talk about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor um, and, you know, and others about that social justice. Also about how you really advocate for change and realizing that your vote does count. And ultimately, if we vote in mass, 
and, and, and the reason why your vote counts so, so importantly is around the nation right now, making sure our children understand how we have these particular groups or um, parties that are pushing to change voting rights in certain areas because they lost election seats, realizing yeah. that that's undemocratic. It's not democratic at all. And so having them understand and learn what that is and the impact of that is ultra important. So I, one of the things that I'm always fascinated in, um, no kid ever grew up in America saying that I want to become the superintendent of a district, <laughs> right? It just doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm always fascinated yeah. how that happens. You have a very unique background. Um, you grew up in Florida and yep. you played football. Tell me about where you grew up uh, and and how you, what was your tract uh, through college? So listen, I was um, born born into a not so um, affluent area. So we had had our challenges and uh, things that were going on. But uh, early on, um, again, born and raised in Delray Beach, Florida, Palm Beach County. So um, went to Atlantic High School, had an opportunity to get an athletic scholarship to the University of Miami and play football. And uh, I went there at probably the best time to be at University of Miami. Yes, Why? you did. In my five years, in my five years, we won three national championships, only lost four games, never lost a home game. And um, it was just an amazing run, great team. And um, a lot of lessons that I learned as a result um, of going to leadership, go back to the football field, Green Tree practice field with um, um, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Coach Johnson, but Coach Erickson and all the staff, you know, um, and just learning lessons from them around being um, a team player. Who was, who was your high school coach? I imagine that person made a, an influence. Uh, oh, wow. My high school coach, my first high school coach was um, Coach uh, Dr. Edward Harris. Unfortunately, he's passed away. That was one of my mentors. Also, we had uh, Leonard Mitchell, who's still around and still a, a big um, part of my life. Also, um, Steve Petty, my last uh, two years, was my uh, head football coach as well. I mean, that that... So for my listeners, and we always like, you know, Anthony, I always like to talk about like either like fast food or movies or sports. And so you're, you're, you're definitely, got the sports. you're crushing <laughs> sports for me yeah. right now. Um, I, I feel like, you know, if we're really, we're really serious about football in America, you, you're from Florida, um, the Palm Beach area, I know that region produces a lot of actual mm -hmm. like Division One players. Mm -hmm. You're now in Pittsburgh, which is also one of the great recruiting hotbeds of, of football. I mean, if we're really serious about something, uh, and, and in America, I think we are serious about football, um, we get our back up a little bit, don't we? Like the coaches aren't afraid to yell at people. Um, kids who come from difficult family life um, kind of need it, don't they? Um, you know, and I think by, by and large, kids from all different walks of life need that in their life at some point. Yep. And realizing that, 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 you know, you know, yes, coaches yell, some, some do, some don't, but that constructive um, criticism, that feedback and the, um, the, the, the need for change, but also in these team sports, which is so important, understanding everybody has a role, do your role to the best of your ability. That's going to make the team do well. That's why right, everyone so plays. Here's a debate I've had, I, I've heard, I, I know what I think. Is the key to football uh, outside mm -hmm. contain or do your job? 
So outside contain may be doing your job. It depends on what. <laughs> it, 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 All it, right, it, I love it, it. It depends on what scheme of defense you're playing. Yep. You know, you know in, in, in some plays, I have outside contained. In some plays, I have to uh, spill it to the outside and the linebacker floor and get it. So it just depends on the play. Well, so isn't that the same? I mean, as you are now managing a, an urban district, I, I believe it's an urban district. It's it's 53% yes. African-American. It's urban, a city yeah. in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a role of managing uh, a chief academic officer, an, an assessment director, you have people that are in charge of security. I mean, do your job must mean a lot when it comes from somebody like you talking about what you've done as a national yeah. champion football player yeah. and bringing that leadership skill to your district leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, what's great is again, in, in my trajectory and moving up through um, the uh, ranks in education and just know my first job or position in public school education, I was a substitute teacher. Yep. So they can tell you that you can start from the very um, bottom and work your way up. If you stay focused, you stay committed, and uh, and 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 uh, you want to unquestion um, change. But but basically, in my trajectory, the the lessons learned in football, also becoming a um, a dean of students, becoming a assistant principal, becoming a principal. All the all what I've learned when it comes from sports about team players and understanding people have to do their job, but also they need to understand the greater greater whole as well, and also the importance of of their job in the greater whole to make their organization successful. It's so great. I all right. So final big question. I mentioned we have a couple topics non education. Mm-hmm. I once had a Pramanti Brothers burger in Pittsburgh. <laughs> where, where are you on that thing? And what is your favorite like dive fast food grub in Pittsburgh? Oh. Give our listeners some uh, sense of where they should check into if they're in oh. in the city. Oh wow! I will tell you, Pittsburgh is a, is a is a foodie town. Yes, it you is. Have a lot of great restaurants that are around Pittsburgh, and if it's it's tough to choose just one. I mean, there's so many un, un diverse uh, flavors and, and, and palates that are here in Pittsburgh that you can draw from. But I will tell you, for Manning Brothers. I've been said, I'm just just saying this from 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 even the locals that it somewhat is overrated. It's somewhat of a novelty. But uh-huh. they stay busy. I'm not one for French fries on my sandwich. So <laughs> so I've gone there a couple of times. I told them to put my French fries on the side. Yeah. Right? But some people love it. I mean, I mean, even in Pittsburgh, they have French fries on salads. So it, it's it's a little different. But but that's their thing. French fries on salads and, and sandwiches and pierogies. Oh my God. What a great city. And it it really is um a, a, a technology city. There's a lot of education mm-hmm. technology that comes out of Pittsburgh. I don't know that a lot of people think like that, but one of my first clients in the whole industry of education came out of Pittsburgh and uh, uh, ed tech is a big deal there. Yeah. Ed, ed tech is, is, is where we are right now. And so just a little bit about Pittsburgh years ago, one of the main reasons that Pittsburgh is a um, considered a major American town is because it was the hub of actually putting infrastructure and buildings into America. They were the mecca of the steel industry in the United States. So basically they, they built America. And so over time, the population has dwindled because um, the steel industry has gone by the wayside. And so maybe it's 5% here now, now in the Pittsburgh region. region. And so at that point, they've gone through a renaissance, going from steel in, in, in that industry, going to um, tech, going to medicine and education. We have nine major universities in, in the uh, Pittsburgh region. I think five or six in the city alone as well. And so it's, it's about education, but also there's a burgeoning, to your point, there's a burgeoning um, 
um, presence of tech companies that are here in Pittsburgh and more are coming on a regular basis. All right. Favorite football movie of all time. Oh gosh. Cause you got me thinking now, like the Tom um, Cruise movie, all the right moves is right up the road from you in uh, Beaver. Is it Beaver Falls? Yeah. Beaver where Falls. Joe Namath was quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beaver Falls. Yeah. Um, wow. That's a tough one. I would say lo- maybe the longest yard. Oh yeah. Oh or, yeah. Or or, 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 or you can go back and be kind of sentimental and send Brian's song. Oh, right? I, <laughs> I loved that movie. Yeah, My dad, movie. Whenever that movie came on, my dad, who played football, he was all state football player in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, we had yeah. to watch the Brian Piccolo, Gail Sayers story. And, uh, and Gail Sayers was a hero in my family because mm-hmm. what a lovely guy. I would have loved to have met that, that, mm-hmm. that, that guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you got to throw this one in as well. The good old Bobby Boucher. We can do it. (laughs) Uh, Anthony Hamlet, you are awesome. Thank you for joining us. How can folks out there who are listening to our show today get a hold of you on social media, whether it be LinkedIn or Twitter? On LinkedIn, you can just look up Dr. Anthony Hamlet. That's easy enough to find me. Um, I'm prominent on LinkedIn, but on Twitter, you can reach me at at PGH souped. S-U-P-T, Hamlet, H-A-M-L-E-T. Definitely give uh, Dr. Anthony Hamlet uh, some love for this great interview he did today. And we thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I look forward to the next time you have me. You got a deal. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of On The Clock. If you want to learn more about the show, please visit www.strategosgroup.com. Please consider subscribing on your podcast streaming platform so you don't miss out on our next episode. And until next time, I'm Todd Dallas Lamb, signing off.